Welcome to our message for September the 18th, 2022. The sermon is entitled Friend of Sinners. Our text is Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 10. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, give us a heart for those who have not yet experienced your love. Give us a heart for those who have given up on church or have been hurt by the church. And Lord, give us the mission to go and to share your love everywhere we find ourselves. I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Code Adam. They're words that are used to announce a lost child. Those are scary words to hear in a massive store anytime. They are particularly horrifying words when they're spoken for my daughter in the Walmart Supercenter. Melissa and I were in different parts of the store. We each thought that Catherine was with the other one until we got together and discovered the terrifying truth. We got the manager. Uh, We pulled out pictures. I even had Catherine's fingerprint. Code Adam. The announcement rang in my ears. The doors of the store were locked. The search was on. Managers, employees were all trying to find our daughter. Obviously, we found her. Gratefully, it didn't take long, but those few minutes were pure horror. We would have done anything to find her. We were willing to stop at nothing. Sure, it was embarrassing to have a code Adam called for our child. It was embarrassing to, for, for us to have lost our daughter in a Walmart, but all of, the, all of that didn't matter. The only thing that mattered was getting her back safely. And when we found her, there was great rejoicing. It was time for a party. Oh, that's the way it's supposed to work, right? Well, granted, we weren't supposed to lose her in the first place. But after that, everything is what you would expect of any parents to do, right? Scared, loving parents doing all they can do to reclaim their child. That's the expectation. Uh, if, if that scenario were played out to you a hundred times, you would expect a hundred times frantic parents looking for their child. But what if we'd handled it differently? What if we had not acted according to expectations? What if we would have said, well, she wandered off. We're going on about our business and then heading home. 
When she wants us bad enough, she'll find us. It's her fault for wandering anyway, so she's just on her own until she, she can find her own way home. We could have done that, but it would have been horrible. You would think of us as lousy parents, and you'd be right. Probably officials would be called. There would be conversations about whether or not we were even fit to be parents. That would be a horrible sign of neglect. Who in the world would would respond to their child with such horrible neglect? Well, the religious leaders of Israel provide one example. The ones complaining about the company Jesus kept. They were mad that he was a friend of sinners. They're the ones who would neglect the lost child. As soon as Jesus started his story, their minds would have immediately gone back to Ezekiel 34, a passage that all the religious leaders had memorized as a child. Their minds would have gone back to Ezekiel 34, the first six verses, where it reads, The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, This is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with the wool, and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak, or healed the sick, or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally, so they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep wandered all over the mountains and on every high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth, and no one searched or looked for them. If we hadn't looked for our daughter, you would call us bad parents. Well, in this in this parable, Jesus is addressing the religious leaders and he's calling them bad shepherds. They are, uh, this is known so often as the parable of the lost sheep, but it is also the story of lost shepherds, shepherds who have forgotten their calling, who have forgotten what they're supposed to be about. While the religious leaders were preoccupied with their arguments about personal piety, their people wandered off and fell into trouble. The religious leaders even abused the people that they were called to protect. The Pharisees were bad shepherds precisely because they were not the friend of sinners. By not befriending sinners, by not going out for the lost, they were being bad shepherds. Whenever religion, whenever the church fails to get outside our walls and reach for those who do not know the love and the care of our Almighty God, we are possibly guilty of being bad shepherds, of being lost shepherds. So Jesus announces that he is fulfilling God's word to Ezekiel. In Ezekiel, it goes on to say, picking up with verse 10, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against the shepherds and will hold them accountable for my flock. I will remove them from tending the flock so that the shepherds can no longer feed themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths and it will no longer be food for them. It's an important word for those of us in leadership in the church that we need to be careful unless the role be taken away from us. He goes on in verse 11. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself 
will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so I will look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines, and in all the settlements in the land. I will tend them in a good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land, and there they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the Sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bound up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. Jesus announces himself in this story as the good shepherd, the one who leaves the 99 with their arguments about personal piety and goes looking for the wanderer who leaves those who think they are already good enough to go after the one that everybody else despises. And when he finds the lost sheep, there is no judgment. There is no shaming. The shepherd doesn't punish the sheep for wandering off. The sheep does what sheep do. They get busy eating and they wander off. There's no punishment or judgment for the sheep. Just a party. A party for the bad sheep. A party for the prodigal a party for the runaway. Can you believe it? The work of the church is outside these walls. If you haven't seen the news, most Americans are just tired of church. They've given up on us. Less than half are actively involved in any religious organization, church, temple, mosque, synagogue. We're still called to share God's love with them, though. They've given up. They've walked away. They've wandered off, sometimes for very good reasons, but we are still called to share God's love with them. What an opportunity. Over half the population awaits to hear God's love. We're in a market-rich environment. Uh, Over half the people around us uh, await the good news that we have to share. You and I are missionaries. And this community is our mission field. No longer do you have to travel halfway around the world to serve as a missionary. You need only walk out our doors and the opportunity is there. And we can't wait for people to come home. That's what the bad shepherds did. They, they just focused on their religious stuff and waited for people to find themselves and get home. That's not our calling. We can't wait for people to come home. God never told people to go to church. He told the church to go to the world. We got to go. I love the famous story about uh, Harry Denman. Harry Denman is a a nationally renowned evangelist, a layperson, a layman who had a real heart for sharing God's love with anybody he could meet. Uh, He's from Birmingham, Alabama. There's an award in our church that's named after him, the Harry Denman Evangelism Award. Uh, But the story, as the story goes, Harry was in a meeting in downtown Birmingham, a meeting about evangelism. Church leaders were gathering to discuss how to share God's love better, how to reach more people with good news. But it turned into a long meeting as people went on and on and on talking, talking about how to share God's love, strategizing about how to share God's love. Harry Denman became impatient, as the story goes. Impatient with a meeting, impatient with talking about evangelism, 
and instead walked out onto the sidewalks of downtown Birmingham and started sharing. He was fed up with the talk and ready to get on with the doing, with the sharing, with the loving. That's our calling. Are any of the religious folks murmuring about the company we keep? If they're not, are we sure that we're hanging out with Jesus, the friend of sinners? If none of the religious folks are up are uptight about our company, maybe we're not actually in company with Jesus, the friend of sinners. There are people in our neighborhoods, in our offices, in our restaurants that are waiting for a party. Now, they may not even know they're waiting for a party. They may not even imagine that God would throw a party for the likes of them. But we get to invite them to the party anyway. We can even throw it right where they are. We can throw this party called the kingdom of God. We can throw that party wherever they are in offices, in bars, in restaurants. It's not about having to get them inside our walls. What if we throw this party right where they are? That's a blast. That's a fun part of this thing in following Jesus. I've been known to throw baby showers for pregnant teenagers, unmarried pregnant teenagers. Uh, It's a blast because the church so easily shuns and pushes them aside. But for me, the pastor and for my church to surround them and throw a baby shower to help them get started in what will be one of the most difficult jobs of their lives in raising that precious child It's a joy, and we make it a feast. We celebrate it up with linen tablecloths and all the silverware. It's it's a fancy thing, just like we would do for anyone. What a party. And boy, boy, have I made some religious people murmur when we've done it. I had one religious lady get in my face about why I would throw a, a baby shower for teenagers who did it wrong. Well, that's a simple answer. I did it because that's what Jesus would do. Jesus would love that young family. And so we should as well. It might be scandalous. If we really do what Jesus called us to do, if we really go out and seek the lost sheep, if we are really passionate about the prodigal, then it might be scandalous. People might talk about us. They might question our religion, but let's take the risk of being the talk of the town. Because when we throw that party here, the angels in heaven will be throwing an even bigger one. Amen.